What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Shooting the Shit. I'm Sean Gregoire. We have Pat Hardy. We have Brad, who's going to be involved with the show today. And we have a special guest. Emery, how are you, man? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys doing today? Good, bro. Good, bro. Can you introduce yourself? Go ahead and introduce yourself right quick to the audience. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So I'm Emery Glover. Um, I'm a digital content producer and sports reporter for WIS Television in Columbia. Um, we've been doing this for about 14 years now as a journalist. So, you know, I've been following sports really kind of practically all my life. So, um, just good to be on the show with you guys. Awesome. Grizzle vet over here. I gotta make sure my sports takes is right, man. You're gonna, gonna chop me up. Otherwise, Pat, how are you, bro? You know, I'm, I'm feeling real good. Um, I'm amongst professionals, yourself, Emery, and I'm just the, uh, the resident shit talker on the show coming to provide my takes um for the fans just to bring some off air talk on air everybody knows i love boston emory is a boston celtics fan so um, i'm going to be nice to boston today i'm not going to slander (laughs) boston in any way shape form or fashion um emory thanks for joining the show hey thanks for having me man appreciate it brad the one makes all happen how are you buddy feeling good feeling great Taking Kevin's spot today since uh, he cannot make it. It is not coronavirus related. All right, he's not dead. That's good. <laughs> Every time he's not here. Uh, oh, just, just to fill Emory in, Kevin did have coronavirus, but he's better now. Oh, well, well good. Good, man. <laughs> well, we still don't know what the, the lasting effects of coronavirus are. So, I mean, we got to keep our brother lifted up in prayers. Right, um, right. Because folks uh, somehow, some way, still think this is fake. Yeah, I don't, and I don't understand how they think that, man. It's like there's so many people being hospitalized, and you see, like, even when they're out of the hospital, there's so many like lingering effects for some folks. People are still like kind of in and out of it. So I'm just, you know, I'm I'm thankful that he's that he's doing better. But man, yeah, we gotta we gotta take this thing seriously. Real. All right, Brad. Let's go into the first topic. All right, going to start off with the WNBA. Elena Della Don applied to, you know, get a medical exemption from going down to Florida and restarting the season because she has Lyme disease. WNBA basically told her no. She says she takes 64 pills a day to, you know, help contain the disease or whatnot. But they basically say you show up and play or stay home and don't get paid. Yeah, so I don't know what the hell the WNBA is thinking with doing this. Uh, she like she is literally their best player that they have. She has so many fans, and this just kind of goes into the the general thing about the WNBA treating their players like shit in the first place. You have the Atlanta Dream owner uh, doing the whole Blue Lives Matter thing, saying that the Black Lives Matter thing is divisive with a leak full of black players. Uh, you, you basically have the WNBA extorting their best player. They get treated better overseas. And between the lack of push that they get in the mainstream media and and just the way they get treated in general, I don't know why they're even playing. I would have been going on strike if I was the players. Like, it, like, the only way that people are going to see the light of how they should get treated is if they really hurt their pockets. So I feel like that's really the only way out. If they continue to play, send the message that this is okay. Like, we're mad, but ultimately it's fine, so keep doing it. Obviously, I um, 
I'm actually excited about this one, Sean, because we slightly disagree for a change. We slightly disagree. Um, Going into the whole coronavirus thing, like we laid out at the the top of the show, um, we're talking about people taking this seriously, correct? And we want people to follow the science. We want people to follow CDC guidelines. We want people to listen to medical professionals Mm -hmm. uh, on... Elena's side, I understand her personal physician, the person that she goes to more often than she goes to, you know, WNBA physicians and the people of that realm. The the personal physician is saying this is not safe. I have other clients who I would not recommend be around uh, any type of situation that would put them at risk for coronavirus, contracting coronavirus. I understand that. But also on the CDC side and what the WNBA uh, medical professionals in the WNBA Players Association are, are following our CDC guidelines. Not listed among things that would be at risk for coronavirus are Lyme disease patients, people who have Lyme disease. So from that standpoint, I can kind of feel where the WNBA is coming from. It's just like any other medical professional. They're going to do everything they can uh, to say, hey, you're healthy enough to come off disability. You're healthy enough to participate. You're healthy enough to help us make money. Please help us make money. Um, she still has the option to not play. She just won't get paid. The medical exemption would allow her to get paid. Um, so from that standpoint, if we're going to scream, listen to the medical professionals, follow CDC guidelines. CDC guidelines is telling you you're going to have to strap up and play, Elena. I'm just saying it's just kind of where I'm at with it. So I understand where she's at, but I also understand the position the WNBA is taking. And I kind of side with business on that point. If you're, if you're going Hello. to make yourself available, play it. And if you're not going to play, that's cool. We, we respect your right to choose so, but we're not going to pay you for it. All right, Sammy, how you feel about it, bro? I, I honestly, there's a part, I, I see the argument from the business standpoint. You got your best player. Um, in the league that's basically, you know, she's the one that's driving, that's going to help drive revenue. I get that. But at the same time, there's there's so much that we don't know about this virus. I mean, just because the CDC listed everything but Lyme disease on this list doesn't mean that it can't, that this virus cannot do damage to a person that has Lyme disease. We don't know. I mean, there's still, you know, we're still trying to figure out exactly what heat does to this thing, what it doesn't do. I mean, there are a lot of different things that we don't know yet because it's it's ever-changing every week. To me, like, I'm the type of person I would err on the side of caution just because, honestly, if something happens to her, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. You know, from from her standpoint, from the, from the WNBA standpoint, um, you don't want your best player basically trying to come after the league and say, all right, look, I tried to play nice. I wanted to do it this way. I wanted to, you know, preserve myself so that I could play years to come. But if something happens to me and there's no there's no recourse for it, you know, then I have to I have to take this measure of action. There's from for me, it's it's really just kind of erring on the side of caution. I'm I, I stand with Elena Deladon on this, uh, just for the simple fact that we just we don't have enough information to know what this this thing will do to a person with Lyme disease. Right. And you and you would think her team would step in and at least say, All right, Lynn, you feel this way, we're gonna pay you to sit at home because just for the optics of it. Yeah. Some, job, some jobs out here, they're like, All right, if you contract the virus, we'll we'll pay you to sit at home for two weeks. If she doesn't feel right. safe going, the team should just at least step up and say, Hey, 
we're gonna make we're gonna sweep this under the rug. Stay at home, we got you. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, and, and it's just so weird because the last thing the WNBA or any league can afford when we're already playing in the middle of a pandemic, which is obviously a money grab, is to have any player die during a game in the middle of the court, much less their best player. It's the equivalent of LeBron just passing out and dying during the NBA Finals or something like that. And is that really worth the financial hit that the team and, like, the little dip that one one team's reigns takes? You know what I mean? Like, I I don't don't understand how this isn't a super easy decision on the WNBA side. But, again, money is money. Hopefully they come to their senses and – change their minds on that because yeah, that it, looks horrendous on it, this side. Absolutely. To clear my position just a little bit. Um, I don't think that she should be forced to play. If she doesn't feel safe, absolutely don't play. I just believe in the WNBA's right to say, hey, if you're not going to play and you don't fit our exemption, we don't have to pay you. So so that's cool. And, and to clear up one thing, Emery, I can for 100% with with no doubt in my mind tell you Heat does absolutely nothing to this virus. This virus <laughs> is thriving in heat. It, 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 it was molded. Die, baby. The virus is here in Phoenix. It's like Bane when he's coming out of the hole. He says, you merely, you know, see the darkness. I was born in the darkness, molded by <laughs> this virus is thriving in this heat out here. Right. He does right, nothing. Right, for sure. All right, Brad, let's go to the next topic. All right, moving on. The New York Times did a recent article about black employees at ESPN, which is seen as most, you know, one of progressive companies, as they have a lot of black on air talent and whatnot. But it seems behind the scenes is a lot different than what's seen on air. A lot of black uh, talent behind the scenes aren't being promoted as much as the white, their white counterparts or whatnot. Some have been there for years, while others been there maybe a year or two of being promoted before ahead of them, and it it seemed to be a big problem. This that the New York Times had to post an article about it. All right, so we talked about this with everyone's friend Bill Simmons and the Ringer about black people feeling out of place at a giant media company, and one of the important things that we said was that it's not just the Ringer. This is everywhere around media. Uh, it started off white, and people aren't going to automatically embrace black people and other minorities being there. If anything, they're going to see it as an invasion to like to positions that they feel entitled to. So the report on ESPN doesn't surprise me at all. Of course, it's disappointing, but it, it's it really sounds about right. Uh, like every all the details that they had in the article about uh, about one of the like one of the people who um, ran. Uh, who ran the NBA stuff behind the scenes. She's been in the same position for 10 years. Uh, her counterpart has been promoted two or three times over her and, like, kind of running, like, more broad stuff. And it all of it just sounds sounds about right, and it sucks. But what are you going to do? They're ESPN. And really the only way to make a change is to make noise about it. And it, it starts behind the cameras over in the – the editorial space over where the people actually make decisions because that's what really matters. The honor, talent, and minds of the world, that's just kind of window dressing for what's going on. And the few people, the few black people who do have high positions, they're probably scared of saying something and not rock the boat because they're they're like already in the high position. They're scared of losing it. 
And it gets easier to say stuff when you have people joining you. So hopefully the non-black people at ESPN kind of join and say, hey, like this is a real problem. And hopefully uh, they improve in that because it's it's emblematic of every other media station which has mostly white people where black people sprinkle over and they're expected to just shut up in color or we'll get another black guy to replace you. Uh, Pat? Yeah, for me, it's um, I'm not surprised. Um, I'm not saddened because like many black Americans across the country, we've been hardened to this at this point. It's like you look at ESPN and you're kind of like, what, y'all thought y'all were better than Home Depot? Better than... (laughs) better than UPS, better than FedEx, better than all of these other corporations across America that are faced with this same issue. And I'll take it back even further than that, Sean. We talked about it with with Bill Simmons and the Ringer. We also talked about it with the NFL and their lack of diversity in head coaching, uh, coordinator positions. Every institution in America is affected by this. I don't know why... Companies are surprised to find that they're black. Yeah, they're like, whoa. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why they're surprised. It's like, oh, you never thought to talk to your black employees before, which is another indicator of some of the uh, the uh, issues that the country's face. This is this is America, folks. If you thought ESPN was any different than the NFL, the, any of the other corporations that I named, um, go have an honest conversation. If, if you're white and you're a watcher of this podcast. Go have an honest conversation with any African-American employee not named Candace Owen or the Hodges Twins um, or that rapper that's in the top 100 in iTunes or Apple Music now because he dropped the Republican theme. Which one? Um, man, I, I have to I have to look it up during the show. I can't think of it off the top What's of my head. What's human is this? But yeah, but All right, go ahead. <laughs> you ask any black person not related or in line with any of those um folks they're going to give you this same story i i i switched the way i talk when i'm around my white counterpart parts i don't raise this issue because i don't want to be seen as a disruptor to essentially inhibit my chances of promotion stories played out across many platforms espn i i never thought that espn was as progressive as they thought they were on the outside um, didn't they have a, a situation where they were auctioning black people off maybe like a year or so ago? Yes, that, that's a real they thing. Did. That happened. They did. Yeah. They did. So yeah. so that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm I'm not surprised. I'm not saddened because I've been hardened. I I expect what I would expect is for the HR department, which ironically the, the <laughs> HR VP at ESPN is black. So yeah. you, you would want him to really take a supreme interest in changing that culture, making sure more people are hired, promoted. So when you get black people in higher spaces of of importance of power, you can start filling the pipeline with black people that don't have to do twice as much just to get the same opportunity as a white counterpart who may only have a quarter of the experience. So this is where I'm at with it. Um, I, I really feel that Brad and Emery are more uniquely qualified to speak on this because of the positions they hold. I'm going to defer to them and, and let them get off on it. Um, I think for me, just looking at it, um, there's it's it's easy for, for a company to say they embrace diversity. Um, it's another thing to show it. 
You know what I mean? Like if if you look at if you look at an editorial board of a certain newspaper, you know, it may not be as diverse. It may not be as uh, there may not be as many uh, different folks in that in that boardroom that are representing races, sex, creeds, all these different all these different factors. It's it's an un, it's an uncomfortable thing for somebody who is not really sure how to attack that that situation. You know, you can't just you can't just at the same time you can't just hire folks and say, okay, well, we have this this one black person on the board now. That's that's not going to cut it. You have to be able to show that if you're going to embrace diversity, you have to be able to show that hey, we're we're really in it. Like we're we're we support our folks. We support this. We support this stance. We support that stance. A lot of times you don't see that. You really just kind of see kind of kind of what you've seen with a lot of companies where they just say, "Hey, uh, we embrace this movement," and that's it. Like, like you, don't, you don't really see the action behind it. You know, it's 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 cool that you put up a, a, a black square for 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 a day or so just to say, "Hey, we support the cause." But then what? For for me, like, I'm not saying that every company does it, but it would be for from from my perspective. I think it would be a lot more appreciated by by non-white folks if we could see more. We could see action versus just words, because quite frankly, you know, lip services is easy to come off nowadays because you can put somebody on a social media platform and say, hey, we support you. Yeah. Don't just say it. Show me. Yeah, it's easy to say they support diversity now. I mean, they, they wouldn't have said that in 1920 when it wasn't cool to say that. And now, now that's the right thing to say. So it's literally less than the least they can do because they're not even facing any discomfort. That I skipped Brad. I'm sorry. Go ahead, bro. Oh, now you, <laughs> you're good, but just like Emory said, just because you said it, it needs to be some action behind it because I'm sure it's 14 years. Um, I haven't been doing it that long, but I've been at a few different places where I've been the only black person in the newsroom or in the in the news station. And then I've been other places where there's the most black people I've ever worked with before. So it just you have to have somebody in power that's going to take the time to go out of their comfort zone or not hire people that looks like them. That's really out there looking for different voices because you don't want your product to have the same voice, have the same look. You you want something to differentiate yourself and you want it, you want all kind of different opinions. All right, Brad, uh, that, that's actually fairly interesting. Can you go into the difference between working, like being the only black person in the workplace and being amongst a whole bunch of, of other black people? Just, just briefly, just the differences of how, like how more or less comfortable you felt, that type of thing. I would say when I first got in the media, yeah, I was the only black person in the station. It was a very fairly small station, maybe a staff of 20 or less. So I was mass control operator at the time, so I didn't really get into not like the news portion or whatnot. Yeah. But not to say I didn't feel uncomfortable, but it was noticeable. I just, someday I sit back and look, think about it, like, yeah, I'm the only black person here. And then when I moved on, I eventually, you know, I worked at a station where over half the staff was black, and it was uh, it's very different experience. You can go up and talk to people, and you guys have these similar experiences, and whatnot, and your conversation can be very different than when I was at a station where there weren't. Any, there were uh, there were no black people, so the jokes gonna be different. The conversation gonna be different. The experiences are a lot different than both places. Right, and you can say nigga, which, which is also very comforting to do at work. So no, uh, we did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> don't, say, don't say that in this company. 
And the one thing about the article that made me laugh more than anything else is when whenever they, they kind of dove into the the decision making ball, basically the C suite, the Espen. And they was like, Yeah, we made it more diverse. We added white women. And I couldn't help but to laugh when they because technically the diversity you know it's it's race creed gender all of that so theoretically they could add a, a gay white guy and say they're diverse uh, i feel like we need to be more specific like hey we need to hire more black people dog we need to hire more more brown people all of that because diverse like you can like shoot like we're geographically diverse we got white guys from connecticut we got white guys from south carolina we got white guys from california like like you can flip it like all types of ways so i think when you talk about diversity i think a lot of us need to stack up and know we need more black people here because y'all aren't understanding us you guys cover black leagues you guys need more black people here because we're gonna have like unique angles because we come from black people and black experiences that you guys just won't have and that's more or less how i feel about what's up pat and real quick on that note i want to i want to kind of hand out roses while we're still able to hand out roses um i find it interesting that most um white americans and people who don't necessarily agree with espn's political stance feel espn leans left uh, that they're liberal um when when you go into the corporate structure it's still conservative they're, they're not as liberal it's still the the roadblocks that we we faced in years but i want to give roses i know everyone uh doesn't necessarily agree with them and thinks he uncle tom's a lot stephen a smith gets a lot of credit because he still puts on um marcus spears puts on jay williams uh they they put on they give voice to black people um you may not agree with them all the time and and again as as we spoke um or maybe it wasn't on this platform but you're not going to have 100 unity amongst any group of people so for people to think black people all have to agree on one particular issue for us to advance or make strides in social justice we're not going to we're not ever going to get there with 100 agreement but these these black folks maria taylor they really have taken up the voice of the black people and that's why you get this liberal left-leaning feel from white americans with espn because they really take that responsibility seriously and they try to put voice to a lot of black people and it's unfortunate they take the flack that they do from white america where you have people saying they're not going to watch espn because they're too political they're too liberal they they want sports not politics but um Really, sports when you do that, it, it's okay. always been the intersection between sports and politics. I mean, you can go back to 1936 with Jesse Owens running the Hitler's Olympics and them not giving him his medal. It's always been political. So um, I just want to really want to give those those folks their roses um, because they get shit on a lot. Um, whether we agree with their stance and their viewpoints on certain sports topics or social topics, they're still giving voice to black people. And, and I really felt that that needed to be said on their behalf from me. If I can, if I can say one more thing before we move on, um, I, I, I like the idea of really just, you know, what they've done um, to really give voice uh, to, to black folks, to folks of color in, in our experience. The one thing I wish that ESPN would do more is really like you have a, a whole uh, bureau that's dedicated to this. 
You know, you have the undefeated, but you hardly you hardly hear about them until like something absolutely pressing is is in the forefront, and then all of a sudden the undefeated puts on this special on ESPN featuring Deshaun Watson. They take about the out the mothballs and show, hey, I'm say, hey right. we need that one. Go get that one. We need we, yeah. we, we need we need this right now. Listen, I'm all for I'm all for you know being able to uh have that diversity and but like I said, we need to show more of that. It's, I'm not saying that we need to have a you know a you know all black ESPN black, but at the same time, you know, if you have this and you want to promote it, you know, do more of it. Don't just show me the black quarterback in February. Emory, you're saying that the undefeated is the Green Ranger of the Power Rangers whenever shit's too real for the regular Power Rangers to handle. They ask hey. the undefeated, the Green Ranger, to come in and save them. That's what that's got, you got to call it like you see it, man. They call it ESP, nigga. <laughs> hey, like Pat was saying, man, giving people the flowers uh, while they're still here, man. I would say. Yeah, it takes those people in those positions to, you know, at least reach back and help the next person. Because I could say I wouldn't be producing and doing stuff I, I'm doing or get to do in media without the Corey Millers, the Janet Parkers, the Sledders Canyons taking the time to, you know, hey, bring me on the shoot. Hey, show you this. Or even uh, Alex, we camera guy, he's showing me how to shoot. I'm running out doing basketball games here and there. Like, it takes those people to reach back and, you know, bring you forward. All right, that's awesome, Brad. Let's go to our next topic. Next topic, Nick Cannon. Nick oh, Cannon. great. <laughs> uh, All right. So, on Nick Cannon's podcast, he had some very unflattering words for Jewish people. And, yeah, hey, he, he, no, you can't do that. We just cannot do that. <laughs> All right, so I'm not going to quote him either. Uh, and, yeah, no need to quote him. Yeah, no, no need to quote him. But it, in the group chat, we've been trying. Uh, it's been Deshaun Jackson. It's been uh, a whole host of people in the group chat for this show. I always say I don't want to touch this because I don't know how to talk about it without offending people, or I I don't know how to talk about Semitism or anti-Semitism or whatever that is. Um, I'm gonna do my best, but I just want to put it. I'm scared, guys. Tread, tread carefully. I'm I really don't think it's scared. that hard. It's not that hard. It's we can't be, we can't sit up and say we want equality. We want, we want people to stop doing this and that to us, and then go, turn around and say the same things about another group Jews of people. Is trash. Like you, you can't do that. How you, how you ask for this, but you're, you're basically trying to do the same thing to another group of people who had it just as hard as you. Right, and, and you know, it's it's funny because. People, I don't think Americans see Jewish people as an oppressed group because they've made their money here. I think that's where the disconnect is, right? Uh, people, people see Jews as just rich people who um, own everything, and are they have this this just this group of uh, six Jewish guys who run the world and decide we're going to keep them down and keep them down and keep them down. But historically, basically up until the end of World War II, like 1947, whenever they made Israel, they they were as oppressed as, as anyone. Basically, the last 5,000 years of religious strife whenever 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 like a country was down, and whenever the state leaders needed a, a rousing like a rousing call, blame the Jews. 
So they, they've seen their fair share of, of criticism. They've seen their fair share of oppression. So I think historically they understand. I, I think the standpoint of, from where you know, um, Stack and um, Deshaun Jackson and Nick Campbell coming from were the Jews here who own stuff and have money and like they have the, just the rich stereotypes that, that have been going on for 5,000 years. And it doesn't seem like that that they would hurt them because they're rich, right? But that's the same argument that they use, that other states use to oppress them when they didn't have nearly as much power. So I am sensitive towards that. Uh, I, I, I'm not with bigotry really against anyone, especially against other oppressed people, because it, it just gives them that one more step for the right person to dehumanize them, or the right like president or the right prime minister to dehumanize them. And it turns into some other shit, like, you know, like it does with black people, like it does with Mexicans, like it does with Muslims, like all across the board. So whenever I hear it, like I, I get like it, it gets flagged. It's like, uh oh, like I've heard this shit before. I, I've read about this shit before, and that's why I'm not really with it. And it's it it really is complicated. Our our relationship with Jewish people historically is complicated, but I, I can't. I just can't with the anti-Semitism. So go ahead, bro, Emery. Yo, the whole thing, honestly, is, I mean, I honestly, it's its a slippery slope. I, I really, for for Nick's sake, I really wished he would not have gone towards that. I understand what he was trying to do, but when you get, when you get yourself in certain positions and you're talking with certain folks, you know, that, that train can move so quickly that all of a sudden you lose control of it just like that. I'm not, I'm not agreeing with what he said whatsoever. What I'm saying is when you're when you're in that situation and you're talking about other groups and other folks that have been oppressed and other, you know, other situations like that, you have to like like Pat said, you really have to tread carefully and, and watch what you say, because I mean, one one wrong move and all of a sudden that train goes left. You can't stop it. It snowballs yeah. quickly. And I, I think in Nick's case, that's what happened to him. Um, and, and it's unfortunate that, you know, he, he had to go through that. But at the same time, it's it's a learning experience, not just for him, but a lot of folks, you yeah. know, because a lot of folks don't necessarily see uh, the Jewish, like you said, as an oppressed people because of, right. you know, what, what they're seeing now versus going back and seeing their history as a whole. Um, yeah. it, it's it's not acceptable. It's it's not a it's not a, a way that anyone should think we should all, you know, strive for equality, no matter the group, no matter uh, what the situation is. Everybody should have, you know, should be able to be equally seen, be equally cared for, be equally treated. Um, so with that being said, man, just, you know, like I said, it's it's, it's a really sensitive subject. But, you know, for, for Nick, I, I hope that he learned something from it. Um, Pat, what's up, bro? Quiet. Listen, listen. <laughs> I'm gonna do my best not to get the shooting the shit podcast canceled. I'm gonna do my best not to get Bradley and Emery fired from their well respected oh day jobs. God, it's so dramatic, man. <laughs> here's my here's my thing. As a black man in America. Mm-hmm uniquely understand oppression along with all other oppressed groups in the world so i understand that we have to be very careful and very measured with how we we 
represent ourselves when we're speaking to the, these other groups, because how can we as black people demand equality and respect and justice when we speak negatively or speak stereotypically of other oppressed groups? It's right. very hypocritical, right? Mm-hmm. I, I struggle with understanding what anti-Semitism is or what Semitic values are so that I can avoid stepping in it. Because I, I remember LeBron made a comment or quoted a rap song where he said, I think it was something to the effect of, I'm getting money like the Jews, right? Yeah. And to me... That's kind of a compliment, like on... It's like, right. Yeah? It's, it, it, it's yeah. not... There's nothing inherently negative about saying that. We're saying that the Jews are so successful that we want to get the money they're getting. And I remember him getting a lot of flack about that. The Jewish community was upset about that, and they called him anti-Semitic. And I'm just confused because... Because it still feeds into the stereotype that all Jewish people are rich. I think that's where it comes from, and that's a dangerous stereotype for them. And not only that they're rich, but they they got rich from restoring other people. So killing them and fucking them up is okay because they can afford it. They can afford the hospital bills. Like, they can afford the funeral. Like, they take it from us anyway, so... Like it's it's okay to fuck them up, and that that's that's where the problem okay. comes in. Now, you know what I mean? when you put it, when you catch it like that, I completely understand. The last thing on the list: DMX versus Snoop Dogg on Wednesday. I feel like uh, D. I don't know. Everybody says Snoop's gonna smoke DMX, but I think DMX got a few hits that uh, he can bring out. But think of it on it now: Snoop Snoop might smoke him. Yeah, yeah. Like it's fine. Like you can, and we do this all the time with music. We we do this thing where DMX is really underrated as a hip hop icon, and the stuff that he put out in the late '90s, early 2000s was really great, and that can be true. What's also true is that he's not touching Snoop, bro. Oh my, are well, you fucking it's serious? Not even close. It's, it's not, even it's close. not there. Like it's not it's not a West Coast bias. I'm I'm not from out west like that, but. Snoop had like four careers, four different careers, Man. and at least four. Yeah, at least Man. four. And we can go into singles himself. We can go into album cuts. We can go into collabs. We can go into producers. Like it, it's just DMX does not have that one. He has a couple where uh, I think if I would score it out twenty, it'd be what fourteen to six or something. Like DMX got quite a few, and there'll like... be a couple closeies. I feel like if DMX plays right, he can he can keep up. Unlike uh, what Nelly did with Ludacris. Oh man, that oh, was what Fab did with Jada. Yeah. Oh, that Fab Jada one was a damn massacre. It was a massacre. Yeah, it wasn't close. It wasn't close. Um, here's my thing with with X. Obviously, we all love DMX. We're not saying yeah. that he's a terrible artist. We listen to his music. We grew up on his music. Um, for the most part, all of DMX's best songs sound the same. Am I, am I correct? I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong. For not the wrong. most part, dogs you know, you're, you're going to get a lot of aggression. <laughs> I mean, he, he gave us a couple that I guess maybe Swiss or the, the label made him do. But for the most part, he was Dark Man X. <laughs> and, um, and if DMX was out now, he has a lot of lyrics that would be extremely problematic that would get him canceled very quickly. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah. Yes, oh, indeed. Yeah. But, but with that being said, Snoop's catalog spans 
the onset of gangster rap in NWA in the early 90s um, to the new age feel of music in the early 2000s. I mean, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Snoop has remained relevant from 90s to, I mean, he just had, he was on Duval's song last year, Smile Bitch. I mean, he's figured out a way to stay important in hip-hop and x hasn't done that so i mean dmx can start out with world war three yeah. and his vo- his verse there and then snoop can come right back at him with his verse from the remix and just completely go totally snoop is gonna match whatever x throws out and then snoop has so much more on top of that and just for full disclosure i've made it apparent on other platforms that i've been on i absolutely hate west coast music absolutely hate everything about the west coast i don't know why i live in arizona i'm not a, a fan of any west coast music don't bring that bay area shit to me at all Kendrick lamar i'm not i'm uh i respect his artistry oh we're there, gonna have some fucking problems there are a number of different artists that i would like to oh, listen to before i listen to kendrick man. lamar his right. voice is too funny for me man he does all that weird shit nah just get straight to the bars you know what i'm saying but i respect his artistry his, he's a, a master at his craft but i i don't like west coast music i think maybe the only few west coast artists i like i don't even really like snoop that much but again i respect the artistry and i can understand when a, a body bag is coming. Snoop is going to absolutely body bag DMX. Right, Emerson, who, yeah. this? who votes on that anyways? Like, yeah, are I, they, I, I was going to ask. I was going to ask because quite honestly, I mean, they, as I, a collective, I, I, we I, know who wins. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know if there's currently a good matchup for Snoop out here. Like, honestly, like JG. just looking at it. I mean, you could do Jay. I mean that would that, that would probably be your best matchup if you take. It make Snoop more sense Jay. than X. It would. It make yeah. a lot more sense. Yeah. Make a lot yeah. more sense. I just and I, I love X's music. Like X like X was one of the first artists that I actually bought. You know, as you know, growing up. But he's gonna get run up out of here, man. I, I'm going sixteen four. <laughs> yeah, like, that. like that's not it's, a good matchup. But like the good not. matchup for Snoops, like if if we could get a hologram of Tupac, uh, and you know try him out, you know on a damn on a little screen or whatever, and have a DJ play his stuff. Uh, Jay, like we said, Dr. Dre, if we could you know stop him from you know swimming in his huge amounts of money. Yeah, but but basically that tier, like the all timer, Snoop is an all timer. Even if you don't like his music, and mm-hmm. DMX is a great rapper, especially for the era that he was in. DMX is not an all timer, and uh, the any matchup between those two will expose that really quickly. Probably around by song seven when DMX is playing Damien, steam starts praying. to run out. Yeah, the is just praying at the beginning of these songs, and Snoop was just breaking out a casual shit by Pharrell from 2004. And I was like, okay, yeah, I actually made a list, and I came up with. Did you? Like the strong X songs that can okay. keep them going. It's like 11 strong X songs. Well, it goes to 20. And, and it's supposed to go to 20, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm saying the songs that he could play that would have an impact with, with people, right? Okay. I did it for Snoop 
And and this is just lightweight research because we really get on this podcast to shoot our shit and boys. Snoop is at 17. 17 songs that you legitimately know when they come on, it's going to get a reaction out of people that's super strong. And they run the gamut. Like you got just to pull a couple of you got what's my name? What's my name part two? Then you can go to beautiful. Then you got sensual seduction. Then you can go oh. back to one eight seven or murder was a case. You just got everything. He can kill you. He can help you raise your children. He can show you how to get money selling drugs. And all X can really do is all X can really do is yell at you and list off like twenty five different women's names. Uh, song. Suck my dick. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and let's just be honest. White people's favorite X song is Party Up, right? Yeah. And literally in like the first eight bars, he's invited you to suck his penis like three times. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's what it is, man. Sorry, X. Hey, no offense, like you're great, but you ain't Snoop. Big dog. That's it. There's no yeah. knock on X. He just, he yeah. just it's Snoop is Snoop yeah. is Snoop. Snoop yeah, is we, Snoop. yeah. If we got Swiss Tim just served him up on the platter, man. I'm sorry. I just, I, I don't and see. Swiss it. is supposed to be X's man. He set him up like this. Right. Oh, yeah. right. Supposed to be like, nah. Set this him up for the, the L. This isn't the matchup for you, X. You should probably X should probably who DMX should probably have gone against some other grimy New York dude that. Like DMX and Nelly. He should he should have called out fucking um I don't know like well shit not Jay the Kiss that that wouldn't have ended well yeah, either yeah, but that wouldn't end well no Trick Daddy Nah that's, that's not a, gonna do it. I think that's a good one <laughs> that's not gonna do it Trick might not do another Florida artist Trick might not have had a, uh, enough songs for him but it still right. might have been a matchup that would have been fun. I, Personally, for me, I don't want any more versus matchups until they give us that 50 TI one because I think that one oh, would be yeah. so that, cool. that would be a good going to be good. That would that, be a good one. All 50 going to do is play Get Rich or Die Trying. Listen. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a mixtape. It's a mixtape. My bad. It's a mixtape. He got some heaters, man. That that Don't sleep on the massacre and that, that Get Rich or Die Trying soundtrack, man. He's going to play heaters. Candy Shop. He's going to play Candy Shop and then he's going to go play Get Rich or Die Trying. That's going to be his whole 20. <laughs> yeah, Brad, do we have anything else before we close out? Well, that is it. We go ahead and close this out, buddy. All right, man. Uh, so before before I do so, I want to say uh, uh, rest in peace to John Lewis, uh, who passed away. I want to say this morning or something, or late last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, an absolute icon. Uh, he fought the good fight. I feel kind of saddened, not because he he passed. He lived a full, satisfying life, but because uh, I feel like our country has let him down. Uh, he he's he was fighting for the same shit, and his dying day that he was fighting for when he was in his 20s and i don't think countries should operate that way i think we should at least have new problems we probably shouldn't have the same issues for the last 50 years and it, like just thinking about it in that sense it, i feel like we let them down just barely disappointing not not us not us but just america in general let them down with the lack of progress that we made it, it was always one step forward two steps back and 
this is really disappointing. So I was thinking about that, and that really sucks. Um, uh, Emery, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I, I hate to end on that note. I, I wish I would have ended on the barking dogs or something, but he. Well, he I have one oh. more note to end on. Okay, go ahead, please. For everybody out there posting, John Lewis and Elijah Cummings are not the same person. Oh, Let's go ahead and right, get that you. out there. All right, all right. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, I'm going to throw, throw some parting shots as well on, on the uh, the John Lewis topic. Is um, It's okay to feel like the country that you live in hasn't owned up to what it promised you and still be allowed to live here. We're, we're allowed to say John Lewis didn't get accomplished what he set out to accomplish, but there's no other country in this, in this world where we would want him to try and do that than here. America is, is a great country. We just expect more from it. We just expect more from it. Um, it you want me to change the, the mood? I can change the mood real quick. No, it, no, no, no. Good, good. I want right. to go ahead. This is important. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, uh, on that note with, with what John Lewis is striving for, um, I don't think James Harden is a Blue Lives Matter spokesperson. <laughs> folks. I think he's still out here we, with we, us. We he got caught up. Place to end it. I he got caught up on. Uh, don't use him. James Harden is not for y'all. He made he made a misstep. It's not a mistake. He wasn't speaking for y'all. I don't want to see it on none of y'all's blog posts or forums or Twitter. James Harden is not rocking with y'all. He still belongs to us. <laughs> all right so uh we'll, we'll end on that no that's a much better note to end on emory thank you so much for joining us i really appreciate your insights thank you, thank man you. good luck yeah, no over it thank y'all thank y'all for having me man appreciate it of course of course our, our pleasure man you're welcome back anytime i'm sure you and brad will hook that up he's a good he's a guy that gets our guests so yeah that that'll be us for shooting the shit man my my birthday's next week so I may or may not be here. If I am here, I will have a bottle of Patron here. So that that will either easily be the best or worst show I do. <laughs> but uh, I'm still trying to suss that out. So um, outside well, of that, thank I'll you guys. be there for thank that. You. <laughs> thank you, Pat. Thank you, Emery. Thank you, Brad, for making it look great as usual, shooting the shit, and we are out of here. Thank you.